Ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you are following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please do leave us a five-star review. It helps us more than you can imagine. Anyways, enjoy the podcast. What you say, ladies and gents, it is your boy, Bucket Sam. And yes, we are back again today for another episode of the Bucket Hat Sam Talks Ball Podcast, the number one football podcast on the planet. That's a new intro, I've decided. And today we are here, a one-on-one, a solo episode for Ben. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Are you? Yes, I'm not too bad. His shirt, by the way, is absolutely stunning. An absolute steal as well. Can you just let everyone know how much it cost as well? £25. £25. And if audio listeners, he's wearing an absolutely banging Sweden home shirt. It is really nice. And I have to admit, I probably will purchase it. But then you you can't do that with the football shirts. I know it's really childish, but if someone else has got the shirt, I refuse to... Is oh, it? No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, are, no. Are you the same in that? Or no, no, no. If it's nice, you've got to do it. I see. But I'm like that. You know, when you were a kid, and if someone in your class wore the same football boots, I, boots I are different. I wouldn't. But I'm the same with shirts. I'm quite childish. I like to be the first one that has one that's like, that's oh me. yeah, everybody that's wants me. that one. Yeah. That is no. The, and that is me with shirts. And <laughs> that is really childish. But we've got some really good topics today. We're going to start off with the kings. Of London, who will be the king of London this season? Crystal so Palace. Got... <laughs> so we're going to discuss between Chelsea, Arsenal, and Spurs. Discussing who will be the top place inside out of those three. Discuss everything that can go on with Chelsea, everything that can go on with Arsenal and Tottenham. Where do you want to start? I think we should start off with Chelsea because I think yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea's a big point to start. New owner, new structure. They've got rid of all of like Abramovich's team that were left. Started again from scratch, and with Sterling as likely to be the main marquee signing that's due literally it's, it's, it's basically done, done yeah. isn't it Fab- Fabrizio Romano's spoken so gospel so yeah he's done big signing suits the system for Tuchel uh, it's just if he can hit the ground running because Sterling's proven in the Prem gets goals um, I mean will he get as many chances that, compared to what City create don't know but if you look at his record think back to like the Euros carried the attacking threat in the Euros for England, top player. I really rate him, to be honest, Sterling. Yeah, I think he's. A, I think he's a good signing. I just, as you said, the, the chances side of it, because obviously he misses a lot of chances yeah. when he's at City, and he's got, not going to get anywhere near as many at Chelsea. But not only that, I get the idea with Reece James cutting down the one side and whipping it into back post Sterling. My only worry is I think they need a lot more than just Sterling. Like, yeah. It seems to be really, really slow the business. They are, but then I don't know if this is like one of those things with your like new this the guy who's bought them's like new into the football world, and it's kind of like a new thing, and he just sees a name and just thinks, oh yeah, I'd like him, like the Ronaldo links. Yeah, like I don't think Ronaldo is the right signing for Chelsea at all. It, it's basically another Lukaku. He doesn't fit Tuchel's system. Won't fit Tuchel's system. But then, so they why, do need a goal scorer. So they I do, see. but why would you buy him? They're not gonna. They they won't play to his strengths. He'll get goals, but Lukaku didn't suit. I don't think Ronaldo would suit. But I think it's one of them where they need somebody to like like whoever decided Sterling. It's a good fit. He yeah. fits. Yeah. But then you look at the rest of the team. You've got like players like Pulisic, who are good players on the day, but. Not done it. Not done it for Chelsea. That's the problem. You can't have on your day players. They no, need, you if can't. Chelsea, if they want to be, as we're saying, the kings of London with the, the kind of narrative of this debate, I think they need a lot more. And especially we're talking about the front line, talk about Sterling. I think the biggest problem is the midfield and the defence because obviously they've lost this summer already. Christiansen. Yeah. It's looking like Aspilicueta could be out the door as it stands, but if not, he doesn't want to be there. Does yeah. He? No. And then we've also who's the other one that's gone? Um, and Rudiger has also it's gone. Gone on a free. Yeah. Uh, 
Marcus Alonso potentially going. And if you look at that, that's a lot. That's a pretty much the starting yeah. all the back. That was the back <coughs> five. A lot yeah. of those players did play week in, week out. And to lose that amount of players from a Chelsea side which were built from being defensively strong, it's huge. And the fact they've not got anyone in yet to replace. That's what I mean. That's why I don't know if they haven't got that football director, football expert who looks at the squad and picks out those areas. I think at the moment this new guy is just seeing this bright, new, shiny thing yeah. that he's bought and just sees like, oh yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. And well, just... We're not, we're not saying go out and just buy loads of players, but just somebody, because you look at that, that starting back, because he likes to play the back five, so we're going to talk about the, the, the three centre-backs now. It's going to be next season. Uh, Trevor Shabler, Thiago, uh, Silva. Thiago Silva, and Aspilicueta at the moment. So, yeah. That's it, and that, that's not strong enough. No, not, if we're not talking, If we're competing with the other sides we're going to get onto in a minute, that is definitely not strong enough. And I don't think Trevor Shabler is good enough anyway, personally. I think he was helped because I think he was, he's got a lot of mistakes in him and I think he was helped with the fact that he had Thiago Silva and Rudiger. Helped that it's a back three, isn't it? Yeah, he's a back three <clears> tax, <throat> which we talk about all the time. But I think Rudiger and Thiago Silva on their own last year were so, so integral to that Chelsea side. A, I think yeah. we'll realise how They're both Rolls-Royce, aren't they? Like, Rudiger's just big, scary. He just heads and kicks everything and he's just a unit. But he can play as well, no doubt about it. He can play, he can pick out a pass. Yeah. And Thiago Silva is literally a Rolls-Royce. He's like the definition of a fine wine when it comes to centre-halves. He's been there and done everything. And the experience and what and the calmness he offers is key. And you can see why they keep offering him that one-year extension. Yeah. But they do need something fresh for that back line. An ex either a European, a European experience centre-half or some added quality to that back line. Because if Aspilicueta goes for the short sale that they want, since he's got, he wants to go to Barca, they need somebody in. But that's the thing. I still look at that side and I still think they need more as well. And then we can talk about the midfield. They've got players, like they've got Kante, who, and I thought Kante really fell off towards the end of last season. I don't think he had a, a great season <coughs> last year. He's got, obviously, injury problems. He's in and out of the squad. But we always knew this would come with Kante because you can't play at the level he has done. The the, the, the consistency and the, the amount he runs around is ridiculous. He can't do that for so many years. Uh, playing 50, no. 60 games you do, Your legs do catch up with you eventually, don't they? I and feel like, like they are. The longevity of players obviously differs. Don't get me wrong, the longevity of footballers today is massive. You used yeah. to be when you hit 30 you were done that was it your legs are gone but you look at like even like Lampard was one of the first names that really springs to mind of a player who and Gerard really made their careers really lengthen you look at players like Zlatan in Europe doing it at 40 so I think Kante's still got a lot to offer it's just how if he can adapt his game to still offer that defensive protection they need but then you've got like out, out of form players like Mason Mount Jorginho, players that have done it for them in the past, but recently haven't cut it yeah, and, and offered when, enough. When you look at the rest of the players, and to come on from the bench, you've got players like uh, Ross Barkley or Ruben Loftus-Cheek. The level simply isn't good enough, and that's why I think we can firmly agree with the way we've been discussing Chelsea and the tone. I think we can kind of say, unless Chelsea go big and make some signings fast, I think we can safely agree Chelsea aren't going to be the king of London. No, no, not at all, no. I, no. I think... Out of the three, the reason why I've got put them first, I think there will be the out of the three London sides, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. I personally think Chelsea will finish bottom out of the three. I think if it, it yeah, out of the three, yeah. And I think if if I had to put money on a one of the four, one of the teams to be a surprise out of the top four in the league, I think it'd be Chelsea. Yeah, I 
I wouldn't put them in my top four as it stands right now but for they, the reasons they we've... could easily, as we've said, with Chelsea's buying power, they could easily change. Oh yeah, that. and this and guy's got money, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? I mean? It's not like yeah. it's not as much as Abramovich, but it's still more than enough that if they put the funds in, they'll compete up there. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's kind of as it stands. I don't think Chelsea. Because I think we need to highlight that. The fact that it is the 11th of July right now, as we're saying this, because this clip could resurface yeah. soon. In 2023, <laughs> 11th of July, 2022. <laughs> okay, then we'll move then straight on to Arsenal. What are we making at Arsenal? What the... it's good business, isn't it's it, good so good business. Far. The Gabriel Hazel signing makes sense. Um, the, the, the bloke they signed from uh, Portugal, I don't really know much about him. Yeah, looks tidy though. Looks tidy. A lot of players coming from Portugal at the moment do well, don't they? They, yeah. they? they look like the it looks like the place to go for the market for the upcoming players at the moment. They're picking up, they're producing good players, aren't they? And like another one's gone to PSG, hasn't he? Another young lad, Portuguese lad's gone to PSG. Yeah. You look at like Wolves and stuff in the past, they've always gone over there to do their business. And you look at players like Neves, it's proven. It's a good pool to get your talent from. And they've picked up a few, really. I don't think that, like, you look back at last season, like that Lukonga, I don't think he was a bad signing, really. I think players just take time to adjust to the Premier League, but he looks like a solid buy for a young player to yeah. offer, add to Arsenal. And I think he'll offer as well. I feel like they've finally replaced Aubameyang's goals with Gabriel Hazes. So we've spoken about that in the past, that me and Mike uh, probably will be listening to this part about Arsenal turning it up. We discussed and we had quite a few debates where I said it, I still thought it was wrong to sell Aubameyang. As much as he may be a trouble in the dressing room, goals win you games and they had no other goal scorer in the side yeah. and I get why a lot of people gave me stick for it but at the end of the day it was goals and Saka chipped in with a lot the wingers chipped in a lot Martinelli helped Odegaard, Smith Rowe all those players but they didn't have an out and out number nine who could score and I know Gabriel Hayes has played on the wing and things but I think that's a huge signing but I still do worry for them with the fact that they've now got Europe that is the only thing we saw them last year they bottled it to quote and I'm going to put it in quotations because that phrase does wind up a lot of people but at the end of the day they did fall out of place they they really should have got top four it was nailed on for them at one point they could have got top three yeah it was a lot with 12 games to go to be fair because that was the real talking yeah. point wasn't it where it came up and it was like it's Arsenal 12 games is a lot of football like ridiculous but you're right they should have really got that top four finish and it'll be interesting but like we've said before, like the last time, the first time I was on, how do Arsenal play the season? Do they challenge for the top four or have they got to find a way to stretch that squad to compete with the European competition and the Premier League demand? And do they look at things like an FA Cup run as well, which yeah. they've got success in in the past in more recent times? I don't think they've got the squad to That's spread what I mean. across yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah. They, they really have to think about the game plan. Obviously, I think at the end of the day, the Premier League is getting top four is vital for Arsenal because the pull on players and things like that Yeah, it opens huge. up. It's the next next gateway. And they've but... got a chance with clubs like Man United and other clubs right now. And we just spoke about Chelsea looking out of sort. This could be a good time for them to try and nail on to get in that top four. But then it would then be to the detriment of the other comp cup competitions because they don't have the depth in the squad. The strength and depth isn't there. When you look at players like Tommy Asu, when Tommy Asu was injured, Cedric was yeah. playing and Cedric isn't good Tierney's a big Arsenal. miss for them as well when he's not in and he's never fit and like, he's never fit but when never... he plays he looks top draw doesn't he and yeah. I, I mean I had questions about him when he came from Scotland over but he has when he's played he's he's looked like a good fit for them Yeah, but they they need a, they either need to now pick up one or two more top quality as in to replace what they've already got in that eleven, or do they pick up a couple more that are like for the future or ready-made, but know that these players are going to be adding to that squad? Yeah. 
because I think now that moves on quite nicely. I think they need to take the Spurs attitude, where Spurs this season, the reason why I'm really excited about Spurs is before when we look at what they've done in the past, they've replaced players, they're actually adding to that squad. They're adding to to compete with first-team players, and we've never seen Spurs do that. Spurs usually buy a player (coughs) to fill a gap. Yeah, Every well, time yeah. it's the fill a void. <clears throat> they tried to uh, Ericsson wanted out, so they tried to buy a player in like the cell, so replacing him and like attacking midfielder role. And they've done that in the past throughout their time. They've always tried to find a second striker, and they've got that with Richarlison. Richarlison, who we said can operate in the, the front three. I'm really excited to see how Spurs have really taken this chance, and you can see quite clearly they're backing themselves with the increased investment in the in the club and the, the increased spending. I think it's they the manager. Take, yeah, it's it's seriously got to back Conte though because we've seen Conte. He's a serial winner. He does it, but it has to, everything has to be on his terms. And yes, yeah. it's probably short term. And a lot of people keep saying to me, oh, Conte, it's not great. It's because it's short term. But who cares if it's short term? If they're going to win a trophy, which they will do under Conte. You ask Spurs fans right now, uh, Conte goes in 18 months, but you win a trophy. Or you can keep a long-term manager, but still win nothing. Every every single football fan should take trophies. They will, That's I what you're in football for. Because you look at a cup run or something as simple as that. Like he's a, Conte knows exactly what he's yeah. doing. He's a, he's a great manager. He's a serial winner, and it's not the most attractive style of play at times. It's effective, at it's effective football, and I, I really like it. And I I got a lot of stick on here because I think I over I, I do overrate him sometimes. I sometimes say potentially he should be argued as one of the top two greatest managers in Premier League. Like when you look at what he could do in right now, I'm on about he should be pushing yeah. with the likes. Yeah, of he's got he's got to be up there because he doesn't get. I don't think he's. Dis- I think he's disgusted and saying, "Oh, he's one of the two but I realise what I just said. Then I meant to say not of all time, the top two best right, right now, now. Yeah, but you say Klopp and Pep, but no one ever even puts Conte on that level. It's just the thing oh, is, he's it's... in the mix. So I think he really sh- is competing. I think he's them. got to prove it though to be in the mix, hasn't he? If you look at Liverpool with Klopp and Pep with City, they've done it for a long time, haven't they? Competing between the two of them, and they have seen off other managers like Jose. Yeah, you know they've seen them off, but. I think effective, and it's 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 every player knows that job in that team, and there's no people to carry in that team. If you don't work or you're not doing your bit, you get dragged with Conte, yeah. and that's the thing. It's so cutthroat, but it's effective. It wins games, and that's what Spurs have needed. They've had too many managers, and I think this is why Jose almost didn't get the backing he should have because Jose is a similar kind in the way that it's a system. Yep. Players are bought to fit that system. If you don't play, fit that system, you're not involved. They didn't back him, did they? But they didn't back him, whereas this time they're backing Conte because Conte ultimately said, if not, I'm going to walk. Yeah. So they had to. But I think the business is good. Like People like Perisic, who he's had at Inter Milan, know the system inside and out already. Yes, he's a bit older, but the actual quality is still there. When you're looking for somebody who's coming into the dressing room to add and put over your ideas, he's a good start and he's a free agent. Yeah, he's 33, but he's been in, in the top European leagues for a long time now. And it was Serious only like player. a few years ago, he was still doing it at the Euros and things, wasn't he? Yeah, great. <clears throat> Both-footed. He's a great player, isn't he? When you think about that, that kind of addition, though, that, that he could be a squad player. Obviously, he might start a lot of games, but... At the end of that, he's just been brought in as a squad player to add to it, and that's what I'm saying. That Tottenham have never topped up the squad nah. like this, where they've just gone okay. And it's little things like they've got Hoiberg, who I think is a decent player, but they've gone and added Basuma now, so they've got two top quality holding midfielders. Throw Bentacore in there, yeah, who again is another one that yeah. fits the system. He's in that spine to fit the system. Then Richarlison, we can talk about Richarlison all day. I think that that was such an unnecessary. unnecessary it was such an unnecessary <laughs> signing. That was the best part about the Richarlison signing because they don't really need it. They've got. 
arguably the two best forwards in the league with uh, Son and Kane. Yeah. And then they've just gone, okay, do you know what, actually? We're all going to show the rest of the league and the rest of the top four how serious we are to push yeah. on this season. We're going to just add Richarlison to it. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, both footed again, can go either way, can play wide, can play central. And to be fair to him, I know he had injuries last season, but Everton missed him massively and when he came back for those real six pointer games he showed up I think he kept them up towards the end yeah. and I think I think that's one thing that we can really talk about how good he was because I think the discussion with Rafinha at the moment I know this is a little bit off topic now but we, we're seeing everyone talk about Rafinha and how great he was he scored double figures for goals and they said in a relegation scrap side and that's why he deserves to be 70 million and all this linked with Barcelona and everyone Richarlison did the exact same at Everton he did double figures, I think it was just about, or it might, or it might be, or it might be nine goals around double figures. He carried them towards the end of the season and kept them up. But for some reason, Rafinha, I think it's because he's more attractive on the eye. Oh, he's um, way more attractive. I find Richarlison's quite direct. He's got skill and talent. Like you see those things, like when they were playing that game and he controls it and knocks United, it on his head. Was, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's unnecessary. That's that Brazilian flair and like arrogance he offers because he is arrogant, isn't he? But to be fair to him, he backs it up most of the time on the pitch and a lot of money's been spent on him already. I mean, Everton spent fifty million on him from Watford. Yeah. Spurs have spent sixty on him to get him there. He can so play fun. wide, can play central, ticks the boxes, and they've still got players like Kulazewski, who turns into sorry, a yeah, per- I didn't even discuss him, sorry, yeah. Turns into a permanent in January, because he was an eighteen month loan, wasn't he? But yeah. he's another one, like he's young, he's raw. And he's direct. talented and direct. direct. And like you look at some of those goals he scored last season, he like he's I honestly I rate him so much. I wasn't sure about him because you've seen like he played for Juventus and you see him a bit in the Champions League and he didn't do much. But he came in January and he looked like he'd taken to the league like it was nothing. Yeah, I think that's my, my favourite part about that, top, that that Tottenham side now that Conte's building. When you look at it, Son um, take out Kane in it. Sorry, so we talk about. Uh, this Conte side that he's built now so he's got Son he's got Kulisevsky and he's got Richarlison they are all so direct players when you think about them all you think Pulisic about them can go, uh, Perisic can go in the front line Perisic as well Perisic can go in the front line he can play a wing back or as a wing back they're all just so direct it is going to be just gung-ho we're going to counter every side and be so fast and, pace. and di- yeah, it's just direct and it's everything towards goal because at the end of the day you can talk about players like Rafinha and all these really good tricky wingers but you want goals and it's really simple this game of football yeah, it's it all about yeah. all day <clears throat> no, that, it is, that it is, is what they've got now it is. I like, but I, I do like the way Spurs have done their business. I and I, I Conte is just one of those managers. I look forward to watching his teams play. You know, when you get the the TV listings of broadcast of who's going to be on. Spurs are always one thing. Yeah, do you know what? I quite like to watch Spurs this afternoon or whatever yeah. it is or tonight. You know, Conte's football. I just have a soft spot for a regimented manager with a style yeah. of football. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But every manager does like. Peps and Klops are all systems, but like this direct counter-attacking, specific players to fit a specific yeah. role. You look back at like Jose's greatest teams, you're like Matic was the one in there. Taking and then taking well. him back to Roma. <laughs> but like, you know, they, they pick them pinpoint for that job and Conte is of the same elk where he does that. I think Spurs have just got to not fall into the trap of having these players that don't fit the system because if they're going to stick with Conte, they've got to shift some of these on. Whether it's a loan, if Conte's short-term, or if they're going to stick with him, get them sold, because that's the other thing. You look at Spurs' previous deals, they had like Chadley, 
uh, Jan, um, what's his name? Jansen, Jansen the striker. Yeah. Uh, even Soldado, who were just sitting there, just s- s- taking wages yeah. and just doing nothing. So, like players like Harry Winks, like if he's not going to be involved, they've well, got to shift he's him on, on. He's on the transfer list. They're That's what I mean, yeah. But it's shifting him on, though, isn't it? It's getting rid of him, get him off the wage bill, free up that squad shirt for somebody else who's going yeah. to fit the role. But no, I think I completely agree with you. I think to round up then, I think Spurs are the most probably exciting. I think Arsenal are doing about their business quite quietly. Very close second for Arsenal. Though. Yeah, and I think they're doing about it quietly. I think because Spurs have been so gung-ho in the transfer window, we're going to always talk about how great Spurs are. But I think Arsenal have just gone under the radar a bit. The radar, they've got yeah. a really good squad and they're building something quite clearly over time. And it's a, more of a slower process. And I think Chelsea could potentially soon, but we're just waiting on Chelsea. Got to pull to the trigger now. Pull the trigger, yeah. <clears throat> so I think we, we safely agree then. Spurs, Chelsea, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. Yeah, so Spurs are the, we're guessing then the kings of kings of London. If yeah. we're talking about it early, it's an early prediction. Early prediction, pre-ball being kicked in the Premier League prediction. Yeah, because this could really hold London us. is Spurs. Uh, that, oh my word! I'm not going to say that because I don't want somebody clipping that because that will go everywhere. You can say that because I'll get the hate. You won't. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave with that. Okay, now we're now going to discuss the part of the podcast where it seems to be talking about them every week. Man United. We're going to start off with the Harry Maguire, who's recently, well, recently today, has just been announced that he will be keeping the captain's armband at Man United this season. <coughs> Ten Hag believes him and trusts in him, which I, might, might just be him who does. But what do you make of the whole decision about him being a captain? I think there's so many layers we can discuss with this. This is quite a big discussion point. Hard, isn't it? I mean... I don't think there's anything more that could... He's been poor, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he hasn't. No player asks for the price tag. It's just at the end of the day what someone's willing to pay. So yeah. Leicester are renowned for selling one player basically every year for an obscene amount of money. Yeah. And Maguire was that player that, that season and they just said to Man United, we want 80 million and United went, okay. <laughs> But at the time, it did make sense. He was a great player. It's just, I think so much, this United, I think he's gone in at a really bad time. We've spoken about it before. Yeah. It's a rebuild, it's a transition. It's a really poor Man United area. Uh, and he's that? been used as a scapegoat. He is, yeah, yeah. We look at Pogba, who's just literally left today. So he's got out of it. Other players, Alexis Sanchez, when he was used as a scapegoat, yeah, one, they've yeah. all got out fast. But Maguire can't get out. He's on a big contract. He's the captain. He's the main focal point. Ronaldo wants out. All these players, quite clearly, Man United, it's not a good environment. It's no, toxic. it's not. No. Whereas Harry Maguire is stuck there because, because no one else is going to be interested. Whereas you look at Alexis Sanchez, all these you other got, players, yeah. they, they're attractive. Look at all the ones that have gone. They're basically freeze as well, aren't they? So it shows that United are obviously trying to recoup money that they can yeah. and they can't get the money that they want. You know, like Alexis Sanchez went on a free. I bet you United would have wanted like 30 or 40 million for him and no one was going to pay that for him. Prior to his move to United, people would have snapped their hand off at that because that's what Arsenal paid for him was thirty million. But that's that's the point. That's the thing. That's the trying to point I'm trying to make that that all these players they all could get out because they get out yeah. of jail free card. We'll go on a free. I'll take a big lump sum and I go somewhere else and I can forget about United. Yeah. Whereas Harry Maguire physically cannot do that. He's got years left in his contract and he will be known as he, and everything is blamed on him. I want to slander him a lot and I know that because he's a poor. He's been poor. Yeah, he's been poor. poor. But at the same time, I do feel for him because I, I do look at the rest of the squad and think he probably was going to get found out when you've got players like Fred and McTominay as your two holding midfielders in front and of you. Lindelof, who for me hasn't really ever. I know that people have said he's improved this last season, but how long's he been at Man United? He was a Mourinho signing from Benfica. 
Yeah, he's and, never... and only just now people have gone, oh, yeah, he's improved. Like, if you paid 30 mil for him, I'd want something more than four years later on. Yeah. So, I'd, yeah, I think it's one of those. He's, he's an easy scat, like, you know, and I think it's obvious that he does care about Man United and wants them to do well. The systems haven't suited him because when you look at the way Leicester played, counter-attack, he drove up the pitch with the ball. Yeah. When you're United, people aren't going... Maybe now teams will try and play against you, but typically teams don't open up against Man United at Old Trafford. And they push forward and there's a high line behind there's him. There's a high gets, line behind yeah. He gets sorry, caught a, out. a big amount of space. Sorry, behind him, you get line, caught yeah. on the counter. It looks like Maguire's fault. But... And the captain's always the first one to get it. Always the captain is the first one yeah. to get it. You look at like any bad team where it's gone wrong, it's always the captain. Even it, like locally when it's been West Brom in the past, even though it's on a smaller scale. Although West Brom's problems and Man United problems are so much similar. It's just that Man United are on a billionaire scale. They actually are. Yeah. But it's always the captains that get it first. Always because they're the ones that are the face of the team yeah. that are meant to be and the I, example. I don't think it helps as well when you've got a signing, like a key signing, like Ronaldo, who came in. How on earth Maguire can get respect in the dressing room? And I don't mean that disrespectfully to him, but why would a player listen to somebody like Harry Maguire if, quite clearly, and there was leaks about this, that Ronaldo didn't like him and didn't respect him. How on earth can play, people egos, look up to that, him? Yeah, it's, it's too egos, many egos, isn't it? And that's the problem with Man United signings. It, they haven't built a squad, and it's a, a group of individuals. And I, I just, I feel like Harry Maguire, yes, has not worked out, but I just really think the tools around him and the way it's all been put together just has not worked. Doesn't it's not helped gelled. him. And I, I think if you were to take the captain's arm and away from him, I can only imagine it would get worse. Because, you might as well release him. Yeah, because you're saying to him. You won't. You're not good enough, mate. Yeah, and you're not good enough to be captain, but we can't get rid of you, so we'll just keep playing you every week because we've got no other choice. Yeah. At which point, you might as well just say your contract's worth twenty million. Just take it and leave. Yeah, but they won't. But yeah, so I, I think they couldn't afford to. And I think Ten Hag does come across as one of those that could put an arm round a player. I think he again. He's another one where he's clearly got a system. Yeah, and that's why when they're in the market for like these De Jongs and they've got this left back in. I know they're going to Holland a lot for theirs, which you would expect him to, but they're obviously trying to build... They obviously want to give him the players to fit the system, but I think he's one of those where he could put an arm around a player. Or he's gone the other way and he's just told him, like, Harry, mate, you've got to shape up, otherwise you're out. Yeah. You know, which either I, way, I there's got to be a change. Do, and I've spoken about this before. I think the pressure on the board with a signing like that, it's an asset at the end of the day because Man United has run it as a business and I don't think you can you can drop a player like that or say you want out because in the, the the value of the asset depreciates too much because at the end of the day, I know it's a harsh way of looking at it, but footballers are assets to no, these businesses. So it does make sense and I, I really do worry for him and feel for him. So I, I never thought I'd say this. I feel like I've had a complete U-turn here on Harry Maguire. I just think I try to look at it and step back and look at it as a whole situation. I just think it, it's just not worked out for him, but I, I don't think he's been helped by Man United no, or the team around And it's him. one of them... <sighs> When you've got like when it's the middle of, like the season that it was for Man United, and you've got your TV broadcasting stations which are hot on Man United because they are the big team that's falling down every yeah. single week, and they're clever because the names that they pick to go on are ones that will target Man United, but they all seem to pick out Maguire. So once one of them does it, they all do it. You know, and you look, you know you look at some of them, they all go well. Ronaldo scored goals, so he's done his bit. But actually, he hasn't because if you, Ronaldo doesn't do an awful lot otherwise to the team. Yeah. 
Would you argue Ronaldo's made Man United worse? Quite possibly, if you look at their worst Premier League season finish. Yeah, and I, as much as I love Ronaldo and he's a great player and he's an amazing goal scorer, but has he improved them? No. Well, that was that was what we'd hopefully move on to. That's a brilliant segue. So then we can talk about that. You, you, you can might as well take my job. But um, I was going to discuss then after talking about the Maguire thing and then talking about Ronaldo as a whole and the club as a whole. Do we think Ten Hag can get top four? And I think the, the biggest thing I think we spoke about Ronaldo and you've just mentioned there about goals and things. I saw a stat. Uh, goals scored with Ronaldo in the Man United side and they scored 73 goals last season with Man U- uh, with Ronaldo in the Man United side and the season before they scored 103 so as much as the goals Ronaldo Ronaldo is, was the main man and he scored a lot of goals top scorer 18 and when you look at the Premier League standings 18 when Salah got Salah and Son got like 23 it's a good season yeah Papers over the cracks of Man United. Yeah, I think it was the, to the detriment of the side because it, I thought with Man United, as much as I didn't get the idea of where they were going, when they were signing players like Dan James and all these young English players or British players, British players through, yeah. and they were they were starting to look like they were trying to play a real high-intensity, high-pressing, fast-moving side. And I sort of got it at one point with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, and it was kind of a throwback to what had worked for them over the last 25 years yeah. with Ferguson because... Solskjaer it made sense because that's what Solskjaer was a part of as a player and it made sense like you say that a lot of their plays were homegrown or from other academies or young players that they could mould and like you say they've just gone away from that again which is my I, I do worry for them in that sense because I feel like and I, I'm gonna I'm sticking my neck out here because I think I could get absolutely destroyed for this but all I'm seeing with this Ten Hag appointment and this whole new big picture it's Van Hal. It's Mourinho. It's everything that they've tried recently. Round two. They're not going to back him. <clears> there is no such thing as a big picture because Man United, they don't see the long picture. You can't You can't have a big picture at United when it's such a big... It's an establishment at the end of the day. It's a British establishment. Yeah. It is too big to allow for a four-year process. Man United is the reason why they go out it and is. spend £150 million. They can't wait. And I don't think the Man United fans will allow it because you're telling me they'll say they trust and they'll wait a couple of years. Do you really think Man United fans can give it two years and results aren't going their way but they're playing better football? I don't think they'll allow it. They'll call for his head, they'll sack the manager and it'll be an entire merry-go-round. What you say, there's again. so many layers to it. If you look at like the, the owner's issue, they can't stand them, can they, the Glazers? The United fans, they can't stand them. You can't get rid of your own. You can't get rid of them, so they're angry at that. They're angry because the noisy neighbours are now taking over, which really they are. Whether they like it or not, they are. They're here, you know, and they're doing business, and the business they're doing is big, and it's out there, and it's in your face, and the players are coming in and doing it for City. United aren't doing it, but if, like you say, if you're going to not have a repeat of Mourinho, Van Gaal, You've got to back... If they're, if they're tr- honest about Ten Hag and they want him to work, why are they debating over £70 million for De Jong if they believe in it? That's my, that's my only thing. If De Jong's who he wants, then you go and get him. You did it for Pogba four years ago. So yeah. do it now. They've done it. They always do it. If they want, a, if a manager wants a player, Man United the kind of club to throw cash at the wall. We just said it about Maguire, and we don't need to go over Maguire again. But you, you, they, they, that's what they do. Man United do that, and that's my only yeah. worry: the fact that I just still can't see the media and everything like that. Because that's another thing. A big part of this is we we haven't really. Disc- I know you mentioned briefly about Man United and the media. I still, I think we've allowed Arteta a few years, and we're seeing where it's going. If we can use it as a parallel, I don't think if Ten Hag is doing similar job to what Arteta's doing, finishing eighth the one season, and and but but things are improving, he can see improvement. I don't think Man United fans will allow that. No, they ever. won't. But I think is it 
It's a generational thing, right? So if you look at anybody our age who's a Man United fan, they've only ever seen them win. Yeah. When I was growing up, United won everything. They're now suddenly not. And it's not like it's been a gradual thing, like where maybe Arsenal's was to a point. They'd slowly weren't in the title picture. They were fighting for top four and were there. And then the top four became harder and they dropped down a little bit. Yeah. United's is just literally off the edge of a cliff. They won that last league title with Ferguson. Ferguson went, and I will put it out there, Ferguson knew that Man United was at its point where it needed another massive rebuild and knew that he couldn't do it or didn't want to do it. I think everyone... I think I think I don't think you put your neck out but, saying that. I think everyone can see that now. Looking that's back, what I mean, looking back... We looked at the age inside. And, and that of... squad that he won the league with, with Tom Cleverley pulling the strings in the middle of the park yeah. and Michael Carrick at whatever age he was. Genius. But... They've fallen off the edge of the cliff. Like you say, they've thrown money at the wall with this player for this manager. And I bet you if you looked at their squad last season, I bet you there was like five or six different managers worth of signings in that squad. Yeah. You even still had Matto, who was a David Moyes signing. Yeah. They got him in on a helicopter. Yeah, it, <laughs> but, it, it is crazy. but what I mean is with Ten Hag, if they're going to throw money at the wall, at least do it for the players that he wants so he can at least try to implement his system fully with... Again, I, I still don't think they can. I don't, I don't they, think they can, but if you're going to go for it... A lot of them, like, they are, yeah. It's all big marquee, big Marketing, poster boys, yeah. signings. Og boom and all that. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I just, I'd love to see United try and compete because I, I, I want the Premier League at the top to be as competitive as it can be. And as much as we laugh and jokes and it's nice to see one of the big boys falling out of place, at the end of the day, I would prefer if United were up there with the rest of them I want to see a lot of competition I want got to see seven it. competing seven, yeah. if you've got seven competing for the Premier League title then that's unreal isn't it I mean you go back a couple of seasons like around the Leicester time Spurs were up there weren't they as well and it was like great great games week in week out and then you throw Leicester in there which was a complete anomaly it'll never happen again with the way football's going but you threw that in there and you're like wow every single week whereas to be fair you're right at the moment the league is it's how does City get on how do Liverpool get it's two, on? It's a two-horse it's two race. Yeah. It's not, and I'm not saying that the season wasn't interesting because the season was absolutely brilliant. That end of the season was one of the greatest. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think if, and I said it before, if that Aguero moment hadn't happened, that, that would be the best Premier League be the, moment. By far the best ending to a season. Yeah. Nothing will ever compete with the Aguero moment. But I just, I don't know how to describe it. I just can't see how Man United will ever get back to where they were. And I think... It's too difficult, as you said, with all the, the the fact that they've won so many things in the past and so many trophies. They were the greatest side at the point in the world at one yeah, point. They yeah, are the biggest club in the world. Them and Real Madrid, wasn't it, for years? You either were, wanted to be at Real Madrid or you wanted to be at Manchester United because yeah. they were the two biggest football clubs. But I just can't see that the, the change that has to go around and everything that has to too happen, much. it's too much and it needs to be left and to be built and I think I ultimately think do it. I think ultimately it's more down to these problems on the football pitch cannot be changed by players on the pitch there's got to be too many changes off the field before it switches around i.e. new owners basically which you've you got which yeah. you can't you can't doesn't matter how many 80 million you want to spend on the pitch until they're gone which it doesn't seem like they're going to shift anytime but soon and even then we, we, we moan about the owners sorry to cut you up there we, we talk about the owners I don't think the owners are the biggest problem I think a lot of it is the scouting network because the owners don't make the decision on who the signs they've given them the cash at the end of the day you look back they have spent big they they've have backed. they have I know we can say and I, I, I did I'm slightly contradicting myself my point I made before about the poster boys but at the end of the day that Pogba signing we all thought was going to work we, we look back at some of the signings they've made Cavani we thought that would work Ronaldo 
Ronaldo. We thought that would work. Jen Sancho. They have thrown money at this No, they team. have, and I'm not disputing their backing, but I just think the animosity around the club that they offer, is it when you weigh it up, yes, they put money in, but the fans absolutely hate them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just toxic from the start, isn't it? You know, think about how many protests and stuff they've had in the ground, outside the ground, matches being delayed, all because of these owners. It affects the players, it affects the managers. You know, until you can change that ground, that football club culture, it, it, it won't change, it yeah, won't. I agree, and I think to, to, to tie it all up again, come back to the start, I don't think they can get top four. No, season. no, no, no. And if they did, Ten Hag is a genius, and I will take back if they, and I'll probably say that's probably the best achievement of this season, even if Klopp won the league. Back to Jose Mourinho when he said finishing second with this Man United team is one of my best. Yeah, I think top four now. Achievements. I think top four for United would be an insane season if they can make Europe, Europa League, and if they can, I think what they should focus on this season is rather than trying to qualify through the top four, is winning this Europa League. They got in just by the scrap of their yeah. at the end. Focus on the Europa League. Try and win it. They fell at the hurdle last, the final hurdle last time. Go for it. Get into the Champions League football, and then they can build. Because then again, because I don't think the pull power needs will ever change at United for years to come, generations. I don't think. Will no, ever. it's one of them where it's established, isn't it? It's like yeah. Real Madrid. It's it's always going to be there. You know, people just know Man United. Yeah. Even people who don't know football know Man United. I think there's only a few clubs. I think it's literally Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona. And Man United, in my opinion, the, the four you sides. Might, you might got, put Liverpool in there as potentially, well. Potentially, yeah. Potentially, are on the cusp. On of the that. cusp, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Only because of recent time, because of how. But yeah, when yeah. you think back to the early 2010s, where they weren't at the best at all, Liverpool, but they were another one. If you think about the comparison to United's downfall, Liverpool dropped, 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 and a couple of times they had spikes where they competed, like that um, that time. Brendan Rodgers season, and they had that. Uh, season I always remember the game where they did beat United at Old Trafford in that Liverpool grey shirt yeah I know what you're about like 9 10 where they were Cal- up there Cal- with Dirk Cow yeah, and yeah, Torres yeah. and Gerrard playing off him but apart from that Liverpool were nowhere to be seen were they but they've built and they've... But, they've, but they've had new owners new owner bought Klopp in structure from start to bottom with a manager with backing trusting a process that's the point I think that is the grand scheme of things I think you can get the point we're trying to make with United I think we've just got to trust the process and I think that's the perfect ending United won't make top four is basically what we've said we've also said Tottenham King of London and Maguire not really much to say it's a 50-50 I can see why you wouldn't want him as your captain and we can see why he is I think this season is the biggest one of his career so far if he has a poor season he could well the real downfall and demise of Harry Maguire I think he'll have to leave Man United I don't think he'll be in one of those top bracket of Premier League teams he will have to do maybe and this is no disrespect to like a Leicester or Everton. a Crystal Palace or then he needs to go back to a team like that rebuild his reputation or ultimately you'll never see him recover yeah 100% I completely agree and I think that's a, a fitting way fitting to end. ending uh, cheers for coming on and uh, the solo podcast how'd you find it buzzing second appearance <laughs> going for the hat trick yeah. going for the hat trick well, soon we'll wait and see we'll wait, we'll and, wait see and see, and see. Yeah. but no uh, cheers for listening guys please do smash the like button and do subscribe if you're watching on YouTube if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other provider please do drop us a five star review it helps us more than you can imagine and tap the notifications on because we want to see that every week you want to be listening come on you know it is Every Tuesday at 6, we will see you again next week. Ben, 
Thank you for being on again. And hopefully everyone has a good week and the teams do well in pre-season friendlies because West Brom lost 2-0. Anyway, thank you. Book out Sam. Over and out, good baby. Goodbye. Pshh.